Good morning, evening, and or night to all those who are listening to the Wide View Podcast. This is our fifth episode. Glad to have you all today on the Wide View Podcast. Like I said before, that's probably redundant for me to say it again, but I will say it as many times as I can just to make sure you know what you're listening to. It's the Wide View Podcast. I'm Danny Garcia Pozo with my host, as always, Webmaster Micah Shannon. Say hello. Hello, hello. Hey, and it's good to see you all today. Like I said on this, yeah, I'm just going to repeat myself over and over on yes. this evening, noon, night. Well, I have whatever. to know the name of the show. They, don't, they obviously don't know it. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. You're watching the Wide View. You're listening to the yeah. Wide View. If you're watching the Wide View, then please get out of my house. <laughs> but today, <laughs> today we are talking about the 2016 movie, The Founder, about yes. the founding of the McDonald's restaurant and the sort of establishment of the franchise in America. And Mr. Micah Shannon, would you like to give us a quick plot outline for that? Yes. So this movie isn't, okay, I'm going to correct you because it isn't really about the founding of McDonald's. It is about the sort of usurpation and or theft and or business deal that led to McDonald's being controlled by this guy, Ray Kroc. And, you know, Ray Kroc is a salesman, kind of down on his luck when he discovers this restaurant chain, not not even chain, sorry, a single location founded by these two McDonald brothers. He thinks this is great. Uh, They have this, you know, revolutionary assembly line-esque food assembly system and ray Kroc knows he has to be a part of this and so the, the film sort of covers his continual involvement in the company through sort of like annoyance of yeah. the two mcdonald brothers and eventually uh through some you know devilish schemes manages to essentially take control of the company away from the two brothers and you know then turns into what we know now today as like the largest restaurant chain in the world right um and almost like imperial force and it's like <laughs> in its in its size and like wealth it is a huge, huge thing. So this is just the beginnings of it in what? It's like the 1950s, 60s. It's, it's, um, yeah, yeah. It's like 20-year chronicle, I think, of like the beginnings of it all. Yes. So th- yeah, that's what this one was about. I think that's about it. It's, it's a biopic. It is based on true events. I don't know how much of it is actually accurate. Um, yeah. Although I think most of the events are, you know, but, you know, the speeches and the various right. sort of many things probably aren't completely accurate, but it's based on true events. Yeah, so. the, the events are accurate. What happens, like the nitty gritty of the dialogue, of course, is going to be perfect. Except for like, you know, some key speeches or like moments. But yeah, no, it's it's a pretty broad overview of like how things began and the establishment of the hegemony, hegemony, hegemony of of McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the worldwide dominance is McDonald's is huge. I can't I can't understand how how huge it is. According to Um, the end of the film, it is it feeds one percent of the global population every day. It is massive. Yeah, and I mean, I, we're like telling this as if the person listening to this doesn't know it. Like, they live in America and they somehow don't know what McDonald's is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know to all our UK listeners, McDonald's. Yeah, is, yeah. To, no, I don't think there's anywhere in the world that. Well, yeah, I know. Okay, I mean, North Central Island, but you know, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure McDonald's has his restaurants in almost everywhere in the world. So yeah, worldwide dominance essentially. Yes, um, but yeah, okay, so. That is the summary of this film. Why don't we talk about, you know, what we expect to go in this film? I think both of us had watched it before. You know, why don't you, why don't you start off with what you uh, maybe thought going into this? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I watched this film for the first time when I was in like eighth grade, I think. And I was, how old are eighth grade people? Uh, 13? 13. Oh, I was like 13 yeah. at the time. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. I was a baby. I was, I was four years old. And I, I don't know. I expected not much going into it. I disagree with the, think the idea of biopics in general, because I don't like the idea of dramatizing even though i'm a bit of a dramatic person a word a big word a big word hagiography which is <laughs> it means the writing of the lives of saints and I, and I love that word so much because it is accurate to a lot of biopics yes they are very like they're just praising this person but yeah anyway i'm sorry i just that word came to mind hagiography hagiography as in like uh hagia sophia like uh oh i think it means it literally means saint 
in like Greek or whatever. But yeah, anyway. Sorry, big H words today. Hegemony, hagography. But no, I think that idea is absolutely right. Like we tend to like glorify or maybe like portray people in biopics as being, I think, greater than they are, especially like when they're such cultural icons. Yes. And also we tend to make their lives, I think, more, like I said, more dramatic and more like exciting or marketable than they actually were. And that ends up creating the perception to people who like watch that media that that's the reality and that the things that happen is like the are the truth and i think that's a wrong way to go about presenting real people in general but yeah i think i think you're right but fortunately this movie does not present ray Kroc in a very positive light at points it is you know a little bit sympathetic towards ray Kroc, but at the end this movie is very very critical of ray Kroc because he wasn't very nice yeah no he was not a good person and this movie does not shy away from that fact like he has good moments but he's not He's certainly not a beacon of light by any means. Yes. Yeah. He he screws over a lot of people. So, Micah, um, what about what about your experience with this film? I, I mean, I thought about the same. I actually kind of enjoy. I've enjoyed some biopics, hmm. but I mean, not for like maybe more as entertainment. I don't know that I took them like super seriously. Like this is a historical retelling. Hmm. So I just kind of thought. I mean, I thought it was going to be the guy that started McDonald's. I think maybe I didn't realize how sort of critical it's going to be towards Ray Kroc. Um, yeah. I said this before the show too, but I'll say it again. I, I can't imagine watching this movie and thinking, wow, Ray Kroc is such a good guy. He's a great businessman. <laughs> like, he did a great job. You know, I'm sure there are people out there that, that do think, would watch this movie and think, wow, Ray Kroc, I love him. But, I, I, you know, I can't imagine Marry most me. people. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine most people watch this and think, man, I want to, you know, hang out with Ray Kroc, you know, yeah. have some fun. He, he's very, ends up being very cynical. Yeah, he's very, he's very detestable. He's, yes, he's very, uh, in like, cutthroat and greedy in a way that's not i mean even among like people that like you know like businesses i think is like not even just like sort of distasteful and like he's just he, he's just not a, a good guy he's like, he's like a i don't know the right word he's like a bad seed among bad seeds <laughs> yes he like you know when, even businessmen don't like him and, and yeah you know that's that's about what i thought going in yeah. and how i felt a little bit going out i think a lot of like what makes ray Kroc so hateable as a character is that you can see like he has he had good moments and he like he had Good, a good life I guess he had like a sort of honest sort of ethical I'm gonna succeed in the American dream I'm gonna get to the top sort of lifestyle and viewpoint perspective and it's kind of like it's not heart-wrenching but it's like just saddening to see him I guess lose anything that made him like redeemable I guess yeah yeah and I think maybe you get the impression that maybe this you're seeing Ray Kroc in kind of his worst years uh and you know it is a you know yes i think the, the point that he is sympathetic is when he is like not just trying to get really rich and screw everyone else over it's when he's yeah. actually trying to you know help out other people <laughs> which is rare in this movie but it does happen and it is you know yeah. th- those are the moments at which you can think well i kind of like this guy but they are rare and they're mostly at the beginning so michael we already we've been discussing this a bit already but is there any part of this movie that you particularly liked or disliked um We'll touch on it in a bit, but I really like the visuals of this movie. I like some of the scenes in this movie in particular. And yeah, like I said, I like that this movie isn't like EA Ray Kroc, the spirit <laughs> of entrepreneurship. Like Ooh. he found that he really innovated when he found out he could buy the land underneath McDonald's. <laughs> like um, it, it is, it is, and it is sympathetic towards, you know, the actual people that did sort of innovate, which was the McDonald brothers who actually, yeah. you know, came up with a, a new system of building, um, right. you know, burgers. And they are the, they are the far more sympathetic people in this movie because they are like yeah. actual, and they, they not only are they like actually doing something valuable, they're also like ethical. Um, yeah. At the end of the movie, they're, tr- they're just trying to save their last store for like the, the people that worked there forever, which I think is a pretty admirable thing to do. Yeah. Um, 
they're good, decent folk. And we'll get a little bit more into this when we talk about themes, but yes, I think they definitely represent like the best part of the American dream or like what it's supposed to be. Right. The ideal. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like small which... town success, bootstrap sort of like picking yourself up because they're also like children of the depression, like Ray Kroc. Right. And yeah, it's, I think they have a lot of like, and this also is something I have, I think a criticism against biopics, which is that eventually you turn real actual people into like archetypes and characters to be analyzed. And yes. I, I think that's problematic, but yeah, no, I think that I really liked, I guess the direction that this movie took thematically as well. <laughs> we both like things in other sections of our discussion. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, so you also had some other things you liked. So why don't you, why don't you touch on those? I think oh, you have a little bit more to say. Certainly I'll poke one of them that I think is, that I think was my main takeaway from this movie, which was that I think that this movie is a modern tragedy the classical definition of a tragedy is that a great man falls from a great place. And obviously that definition has changed over time in a lot of ways, in so many ways. And what a tragedy is, is different to different people, but that's like the standard classical definition. And I think that this movie definitely follows that formula to a certain extent because Ray Kroc, although he's not wealthy or successful, he's not a quote unquote great man in the way that we think of it, like in terms of American capitalism and business, he certainly like, he has a good life and he has like, he has moderate, decent success. He's a very successful middle-class guy. Like, yeah. even at the start of this movie, he's, he's by no means poor. He has exactly. a house, and it's, apparently he has not, like, has paid his mortgage. <laughs> like, he doesn't, he has yeah. to take out a mortgage. He, he's doing good. Um, he, he's doing all right for himself. Man's, man's doing good. And, like, he, he's not winning capitalism, but he's certainly, like, running. And he's, he has a wife who loves him, and he has, who supports right. him. And he has, like, a house. And he doesn't have any kids. But, like, he's obviously, like, in a place where he's financially stable enough to, like, support himself and, like, just be with friends who are also like right high up as higher echelon he's he's doing fine i think it is odd watching this movie in our in our time because i think like the economic situation when they were living i think was was very different like we were just coming out of the depression we had this big economic boom coming off you know world war ii i, I think this movie is so much more optimistic uh, at least the characters are about like their chance at like financial success and i think most people are yeah. um today especially among you know younger generations exactly especially like millennials you know gen z that is, that is a you know interesting point in this movie definitely. anyway i'm sorry for interrupting this occurred to me no um, no he's, he's definitely like following the american dream he's definitely this is when the american dream was born and like it's and when it was like exploding right. in its biggest aspect of this generation i think and yes ray he he follows that dream to an extent because he like he was not he says it himself like his wife tells him when is enough going to be enough? And he says, honestly, never. Like right at the beginning of the movie, you know exactly what he's about. He, and he's in a good place, but it's a good place like internally. And he doesn't feel like he's in a good place. And he continues down this road, trying to get to a great place, like according to the whims of capitalism and the American dream. And he ends up getting there, but he loses everything that made him like a decent person and right. a stable, like not necessarily like entrenched in all this like melodrama and politics and business when, as he was before, like, everything that happened so he's a great man who fell from a great place in one way he's a he's a man who put himself up from the bootstraps and got himself to a better place in another way and i think that's a fascinating look at like just the idea of a tragedy and the idea of yes how tragedy is different in different ways how life isn't like exclusively tragic i guess no i think you're right i think he ends up in this movie in a way better situation financially but ethically he essentially loses any semblance of like decent like exactly. being a, a, a no like a, a, a okay person he he you know he really just screws everyone over yeah um yeah i think you're right i had something i was gonna say and i forgot it um hold on 
Oh, I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ray Kroc, the thing about him is that he cannot settle for, like, just being in the upper middle class, like, yeah. never going to have to really, like, worry too much, barring another depression. But, like, he really wants to be, like, Rockefeller. Like, he wants to be a titan mm-hmm. of industry who, you know, has his name everywhere. And that's, you know, that's the thing that sort of kills his morality is that he just can't settle for a decent life. He has to exactly. have... He has to have, like, greatness. He has to have everything, but he loses everything in the process. Right. Yeah, he's an ultimate materialist. He can't settle for anything other than everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Yes, so... I want to think of that. He is, he's a tragic man. And also, thank you. Shout out to my uh, English course for the semester <laughs> for teaching me the definition of a tragedy. N- not in terms of, like, my grades and my experience. I'm, like, the actual literary definition of a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Micah, you want to talk about the visuals of the movie, I think, a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, one of, the, one of the things this movie is how much time it spends, like, looking at food. A lot of like burger shots and like French, you know, various, various McDonald's items, um, which they look very closely at. And part of that is just because we like food and that obviously yeah. makes people think, and uh, you know, people like McDonald's food. I, I mean, I, I enjoy eating McDonald's food. I think it tastes honestly pretty good for how absurdly cheap it, it is. Yeah, no, um, it does its job. I don't, I don't want to eat it, but I'm not like, it's not like nutrient paste that I like would hate <laughs> to eat. It's not soy in the green. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it really emphasizes the food. Well, you know, obviously that's the product that they're making. And I enjoyed that because I thought it was, you know, a unique thing. About, if you're having a McDonald's movie, of course you have to emphasize the food because that's what everyone knows about McDonald's. Product placement, yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, some it just looks good generally. Um, you know, the, the shots are very nice. There's some real great scenes, which we can both talk about real quick, which is the tennis court and restaurant management scenes, which are sort of their own, like basically the same like sequence uh, where just the McDonald brothers are kind of walking through their system for food creation and how they developed it. And it's really well done. I don't know if it's accurate, but it's a really nice scene. So, you know, maybe you want to describe it a little bit um, and I can look at how accurate it is. Oh, shoot. Yeah, no, it's uh, that whole scene. It makes me so happy as a person who like wants organization and everything, but also it's a scene that really draws you into like the idea that these are two people like the McDonald's brothers are two people who, are genuinely like good people and who just have good ideas and who want to like do be like successful in a moderate sort of like taste way that Ray can't like empathize with. But yeah, no, it's the scenes themselves are just the brothers going through the routine that they want to like lay out their restaurant with to make it as efficient as possible in the creation, like streamlined, like a, a assembly line sort of situation. And it's just very fun and nice to watch. I, I wish I could describe it in a better way than that, but it's just a very pleasing experience to watch those scenes when they plan it out and when they like put it into execution. It's very, it, it's very not cathartic, but it's very satisfying. That's it. Yeah, no, it's very, it's just very, it's a great way to explain this system. Yeah. Um, the speedy system, which is great. <laughs> great. Um, yeah. And it sounds like I'm reading, there's this random article online, but it sounds like Ray Kroc <laughs> did, did say this happened. He did claim that the brothers said that to him. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great, it's a funny idea. Yeah. It's very like, local business like oh yeah i'm just gonna go to tennis court and do this <laughs> yeah uh yeah and you know that's that's the likable part about the mcdonald brothers is that they're like very salt of the earth they're not salt of the earth but like they're they're far more human than ray crock is um oh yeah and, like they're they actually have something that they're contributing versus ray crock just yeah. like having a lucky run-in with this dude at the bank who tells exactly. him about it you know so yeah i think it that those two scenes are great um and this movie just looks good generally it does so, yeah very entertaining. All right, well, why don't we talk a little bit about the soundscape? We don't have too much to say. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, as biopic, there isn't really much of like a music tracking or yeah, there's like cues and you know background orchestral stuff, but nothing like super memorable in terms of the score. Yeah, um, it's scored by Carter Burwell, not Silvestri. Um, so we're, Silvestri we're trick. three for two. Uh, we're, in terms wait, no, of not in. We had two Silvestri movies, which is two Silvestri out of five. We're doing good. Yeah. That's pretty. I mean, that's a for the amount of composers out there, that's pretty yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, but really not that much music uh, it has some like background sort of uh, diegetic like rock music or whatever but yeah but nothing super super st- outstanding except for uh the scene where they're singing at the piano which i know you really liked oh yeah uh, i love that scene so much it just because it, it it comes in the late part of the movie when you realize to yourself oh croc is horrible and croc is not going to get any better this movie's just him getting worse <laughs> and worse but it, it's a nice little human moment where we get to like also show off michael keaton's singing skills he performs a duet with Linda Cardellini on piano, Pennies from Heaven. And it's just a nice little moment. It sounds nice. And I'm a musical theater nerd. So I appreciated just the existence of it in this movie that like otherwise had no music whatsoever. Yes. I liked it. And that scene is nice, although I think it's a little bit soured because uh, so Linda Cardellini's character is Joan Smith, who at first is married to this guy that I guess uh, Croc does business with, but eventually like marries Croc very spontaneously. They yeah. like meet again and they both divorce their spouses like on the spot and remarry. It's very odd. Whoops. It's very odd. It's very weird. And it's a weird portion of this movie because in that scene, Ray Kroc is clearly like very into uh, Joan while like her husband is standing yeah. there. Like it's a very off-putting scene in that way because it's very like, Ugh. yeah, um, makes Kroc a little more repulsive, I think. And oh, I would be uh, be bad not not mention one other thing I noticed was the this i don't know this is kind of miscellaneous but fred turner um yeah this is some dude who's a fry cook and you know did get like just noticed and eventually became like you know senior chairman or something like he basically yeah. succeeded croc which i thought is a little interesting story i thought i would be far more interested in that story honestly um me too i like that that sounds interesting but. i would have liked it if it was more of a central focus of the film but i understand that this like the entire point of this film is that croc is kind of like he's alone he's he's lives yes. inside himself he's isolated from the world and so the narrative focuses on him and the people that exist in his life are kind of like pointless and the fact that this fry cook became a manager like later on is sort of like that he's just like oh that's just a part of my life but yes i don't really care about his life that's, that's cox's perspective anyway but well speaking of being alone in isolation why don't we talk about some of these symbols recurring mm-hmm. motifs and metaphors of which isolation is definitely one <laughs> um ray Kroc is a very isolated guy yeah um he just cannot really meaningfully connect with a lot of people because he's so oriented on like getting a lot of money and you know you you have a whole essay on this so why don't you talk a little about his isolation <laughs> well that's only five pages Micah. Oh, <laughs> a humble five but it's yeah no it, i think that the you're absolutely right he is just so lost in what he wants and it centers around like the film center has the journey of ray and the various like people from McDonald's that come in like at various points, they they mean nothing. They're interchangeably impersonally related to Ray. And I think this makes the biopic more believable, honestly, because it's like we're focusing on this one person anyway and the founder, quote unquote. And it doesn't like and often biopics like will exaggerate the presence of like other real life people to like so that they can be characters, so that they can fill like a narrative role. But with Ray, it's just you understand that he's living his life and he's doing his thing mm-hmm. and these people are pointless to him you know and yes that makes him isolated he's a very isolated guy especially from his wife he's his mm-hmm. marriage is 
you know, starts off not great and ends not good either. He, <laughs> they get divorced um, just because he's unable to like appre- appreciate his wife at all or like care. Like he, I don't, I don't get why he's married because he clearly sees it only as like a a detriment to him. Yeah, <laughs> like he's always very annoyed that he has to do things like that at all. You know, pay attention <laughs> to his 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 spouse. So yes, he's a very lonely man in a way that uh, reminds me of the Great Gatsby. Uh, um, which I think, you know, obviously is a pretty similar in some ways book because it has to deal with very rich people. Um, but Gatsby is also very alone and like can't mm. connect with other people, uh, you know. And they actually set in very similar time periods, I think. So, well, Gatsby's a little bit earlier. Anyway, that's beside the point. I was just reminded a little bit of Great Gatsby watching this yeah. um, in terms of how, how alone Ray is. Um, so, yeah. Both Gatsby and Ray kind of like are products of the American dream, I think. That's another big list. Yes thing in this movie i don't know if you want to touch on that if you're oh, i mean that's like that, that is a pretty central theme is the american dream as it is in a lot of movies yeah <laughs> the american dream is the you know the biggest uh promise slash myth of of our culture it's mm. you know a lot of people struggle with this idea um and feel betrayed by it so i you know it feels like we'd have to do a little bit it take it would take a long time to talk about this but why don't we at least try um like ray is very much a believer in the american dream yeah um and he's, you know, constantly dissatisfied with his inability to like be great, even though he keeps trying. Um, and he believes he has some like ability. <clears throat> so he's really sort of emblematic of this idea that if you just, you know, do enough, you will be rewarded. And I guess he is, but very... like persistence, not yes, necessarily persistence. Like talent. Yes, he listens to the speech by Calvin Coolidge, former president, um, about persistence. Persistence is what the most important thing. You know, there are plenty of uh, what is it, poor, uh, poor, talented people or whatever. Like, you know, unrorted genius is a trope. Yes. Um, yeah. So Ray's skill is that he's very good at being persistent and annoying. Because he's not a genius whatsoever. He, no, like, yeah. he uses the talent, like he uses his moderate success to take the ideas of those poor, unrewarded geniuses to like no, extremes. That's true. Yeah. You know, every pretty much everything in this movie that's good comes from someone else in this movie to him. Yeah. yeah this movie isn't those so much critical of the American dream as it is of like Ray Kroc like yeah. in particular i don't know that it's making i guess like a broader critique of that i think it still thinks it's a good idea which to be fair i think it's a fairly nice idea you know I, the thing i don't agree with american dreams i don't, I don't think it's necessarily accurate yeah um, but that's not to say it's not a nice idea because it's a very seductive idea <laughs> it's like you know hmm. if you are um if you work hard you're gonna get you're insured something decent um, you know, that's probably more true in Ray Kroc's time than it is in our day. Yeah. Um, the film definitely but... like reinforces the idea that like Kroc is, he's a product of the American dream. Not necessarily. Like, it's not like the big focus of the film, obviously, but it's like, no. he's definitely <clears throat> buying into it. And you're right. Like a lot of, I think the culture around America at that time. And I think the movie doesn't necessarily make this explicit, but like, I'm not going to be around the bush. Like Ray Kroc is a white man. And so obviously he has like, he, he has a bit more of a privileged position in which he can like reasonably pursue the American dream in which he right. can like do things like become this big corporate success. But obviously we know in our modern day that that's just not possible for everyone. Right. Cause yeah, it's obviously he's a, he's a, not only a white man, but he's also like upper middle class at the start of this movie. He's not, yeah. he's not, you know, living on the street and comes up with some great idea. He's, you know, <laughs> so as all the yes. great thinkers of our time do. Perhaps even he's not even in any way related to the American dream. Perhaps he's just lucky. Um, yeah. Although I think you could say that about many, you know, products of this American dream. 
you know, we're very lucky. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, like and, luck is a big uh, part of the American dream. Right. And it produces some great successes, which is why, you know, it's believable in some cases, but you know, yeah. I think when you examine a lot of those or you examine failures, you, you sort of realize that it's, it is, there's a lot of luck involved in this. Yeah. Um, and for, especially for Ray Kroc, who got very lucky in terms of just yeah. meeting random people, meeting Ryan from the office in this bank. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that character's name. I'm sorry. I, I didn't learn. I just know that he was Ryan from the office. Yes, um, was, uh, Howard <laughs> something. Oh God. Um, but yeah. Who tells him to buy the lander in the McDonald's? Yeah. I mean that, you know, there's probably some, a few more things, but I think that's, those are really the central ones, which is yeah. how, how, how isolated Rick Rock is from his constant pursuit of like wealth and like an American dream that, he, you know, he'll have the wealth, but he, you know, he won't have much else, um, which, you know, I think is actually sort of symbolized um, when he and, oh, one of the McDonald brothers, Nick Offerman, are having a conversation in the bathroom at the very end. <laughs> and, and, you know, Nick Offerman is like, uh, you know, you'll never have McDonald's or whatever. And Ray Kroc would be like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and with, I think what that, what that little exchange is saying is like, you know, you can have all this money, but you never have like the actual spirit of like mm. this idea of like a ethical restaurant, <laughs> not even ethical, like not gross, like restaurant. Yeah. Not um, like corporations that are, that don't care about like the genuine, like not soul, of- soulless. That is probably that, like, the best. That's part. it. Yeah. It's a soulless, like hollow victory. Although he has so much money, there is mm. nothing like, beyond that to it and maybe this and i don't know how ray the person the actual genuine human being felt about this but at the very end of this narrative at the very least you can see that and you point that you point this out to me that ray is like at least a little sad like reflecting in the mirror yes. looking at himself he realizes that despite all his victory he's he feels empty in a little way like yeah he at least lets on to the audience that despite like he he's aware that he's become a progressively worse person and then he's beginning to realize that the effects that it's having on him Right. Yep. He's about to talk to Ronald Reagan. He's like, "Oh, it all started on on Lee Street, ever." Which I think, I think that's saying like the first one he founded is the one he's talking yeah. about. There. He's, yeah. He's very much skipping over. He like takes a second to look at the card, look in the mirror, and oh, what have I become? <laughs> I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know if the real record. I'm a like, monster. I, yeah, I don't know if that's actually true, but in this movie, that is sort of the last like scene of like, yeah, yeah. Ray Kroc. Yeah, it's not great what happened here. Um, all right. So, Micah. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about the founder and about the message, how it spoke to you? Anyway, what did you get out of watching the film? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know too much other than like this story. Um, I, you know, I, I sort of already was sympathetic to this movie's premise that like there's, there's something hollow at the heart of like commerce and mm-hmm. big business. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think, I, I think I would have had this regardless of watching this movie, but it was interesting to watch this one story of this guy. So yeah, what did you get out of it? Oh man, I got out of it a wonderful experience having my existing belief that corporate America is bad re- is reinforced. Yes. <laughs> yeah, who, who would have thought that you might think McDonald's like isn't the best, you know, even though the food is fine, not, maybe yeah. not the best thing to exist. <laughs> yeah, no. This is not a McDonald's advertised episode. We are not partnered no, with the company. I mean, I eat at McDonald's, I've ate there, I don't know, maybe a few times a year maximum. Yeah. I don't eat there that often. I mean, it's Again, it's fine food, but I haven't been there in like I realized years. Yeah, yeah. one like, of the you know side side but apparently one of the worst in terms of like paying people. I, they pay like dead minimum. Um, like even like really? a lot of restaurants, a lot of restaurants will pay at least you know nine. As, even I guess the local smaller businesses like downtown, I think you in Athens at least you can get a job. You know, a lot of them are, are paying you know at least you know nine ten dollars an hour. Um, McDonald's I think pays like seven everywhere. Um, it's not really. Oh, that's I so... don't know. Maybe that's just a fast food thing. 
that is um, disgusting not not great and like you know very very low raises so i i think they're <laughs> this reminds me actually of a, of a thing i saw the other day where mcdonald's like put out a like some time ago they put out this chart that showed that you could make a like a living wage based just like on what they give you at mcdonald's mm-hmm. but in that chart they also included a 600 dollars rent for month and oh. the wages from a second job that were significantly oh. higher than your job at mcdonald's well and that is unfortunate yeah i thought the- let me find this quote there's this quote i saw on the mcdonald's wikipedia page that i actually really kind of want to read here sure. since we're talking about it because i believe it is um hold on let me it is very a very depressing quote um oh. this is from the former ceo ed renzi it says it's cheaper to buy a thirty-five thousand dollar robotic arm than it is to hire an employee who's inefficient making 15 dollars an hour bagging french fries so wow you can have fine mcdonald's food but they are not on the side of like human beings they are on the side of robots that are going to make them a ton of money <laughs> yeah so, yeah Good anyway know. our corporate overlords are always planning to replace us yes indeed all right well i for one can't wait to be replaced by a robotic arm like yeah we might you know we might be the last generation to like work a high school job that's that's kind of wild that's um, good and bad i think I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it could be good. It could be. Could be good. You know, we could have, but like, you know, disappearing jobs. Exactly. That darn economy, Micah. Yeah, that, that those, you know, those lines, those graphs. <laughs> not, not looking good. Um, so anyways, um, you get to hear, that's the founder. Yeah, that's the founder. You get to hear us talk about the economy for the next 20 minutes, listeners. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, Danny, what's your personal connection to this film? <laughs> you wrote uh, something very interesting here. I did. Uh, I... I ate at McDonald's once. Oh, me too. That's great. Yeah. Whoa, look at you. I remember I got the toy that I didn't want. Oof. Oh, that's unfortunate. And I, I, that was the worst thing. Yeah. That and then I, I cried. Really? And, that's oh yeah. I weeped into the ball pit. And that's, that's my, very unfortunate. My tears salted the dead bodies that have been rotting beneath the ball pit. We can't keep this bit in. <laughs> I'm not gonna keep saying this. This is okay. Well, I'm, I'm gonna cut this out when we're editing. This is this went off the rails for me first. This has been the Wide View, sponsored by McDonald's. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Go buy a cheeseburger. Eat burger. See you. Okay. Next well, week. I think that's the founder. That's <laughs> the founder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, that ball pit experience. I did not actually find a dead body in the ball pit. Fair okay, enough. that's good to know. Fair warning. Yeah. Do you want to do? Do you want to do a little bit a better, more composed? Yeah. Of a, an outro there. I can do. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you take it with that? We gotta do that rating thing. We gotta do the. Uh... Oh, the rating thing. That's right. Yes. So, Micah, mm-hmm. how would you rate this movie on a scale from one cheeseburger that is upon the Empire State Building to a simple patty? Man. That's a difficult question. Um, I'd say a homemade homemade cheeseburger made by your grandma. I'll, I'll give it that. What elevation? Very nice of land. Very personal, un, unalienating. You know, you know, yeah. very very nice meal. So yeah. What elevation is the land you eat it on? Oh um, well, it's at sea level. It's the the waves are coming <laughs> towards you, and all you have is this burger. You eat your burger at sea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cheeseburger. So that's the founder. Um, well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Wide View. Yes. Hopefully you have a wonderful, beautiful little day, no matter if it's evening, noon, night. Remember that you are listening to The Wide View podcast. Indeed. Michael, what podcast are we listening to? 
this is the small view, actually. <laughs> you came to the wrong place. The small view, yeah. Our, our sister organization. The narrow-minded. <laughs> we give our most biased opinions on yeah, yeah. media. <laughs> yes. See you all next week.